0: Good morning. Uh, Before we start talking about the new year, let's just consider the year that's just passed. How is that for you? Were there a few challenges, perhaps? One or two? A few hiccups? Bumps in the road? Maybe stormy days, nights? Maybe a lot of them? Maybe your health? Struggle with a mortgage, finding jobs? Your marriage, how did that go? How are the kids doing? Are they deeply committed to walking with God, or do you sometimes really end up praying for them? So as we look back on 2022, I have to say that Marcel and I invested in He's and Her New Hip Movement, and and that's quite cool. Um, and, and so, if we personalize it, we, we can see some of the the hurdles that we face during the year, but if we broaden that look, what 's happening in the world around us what 's happening in our state? the floods, uh, storms, fires, earthquakes in New Zealand, five point one on Friday when we, when we look around these wars almost everywhere there Terrorists, these threats. Uh, Airlines are running out of airline fuel. The place is a mess, really. So when you stop and you consider the mess of last year, (laughs) and you turn to look at twenty twenty three, what are you thinking? It's going to get better. Do you think this is a good time to pull the duvet over your head and just say, "Lord, I'm staying in this bed. It ain't going to get any better." You see, so if you're not going to pull the covers over your, your head, you're going to mostly think, well, I hope I have better luck this year. Now, I can tell you from experience that I have a lot of luck. Mostly bad, but I have a lot of it. And so you might just think, actually, this year I'm hoping for a little bit more good luck. But I want to tell you, let's forget about luck. You see, the biblical hope has nothing to do with luck, nothing at all. In fact, it's also not <coughs> interested in that false optimism. And, and there's so much of that around. I know people that are struggling, and I go up to them and, how are you doing? Oh, great, great. And I'm thinking, you liar. Pants <laughs> on fire, I know your circumstances. How can you say everything's great? So we have this false optimism. But you see, the biblical view instead is that you have this unshakable belief in the character of God. An unshakable belief. That psalm we just read is an unshakable belief of David in the God that he served. He he was fearful of what lay ahead, of what Saul might do. His enemies surrounded him, he tells us often in the psalm. He was fearful, but he had an unshakable belief in the character of God. You see, hope does not remove life challenges. You're still going to be faced with them, even if you've got a hope and an understanding of who God is. And the road's never going to be without bumps and yield signs and stop signs and potholes. But rather... Because God is all-knowing and all-powerful, we can take all those fears that are to come and we can face them because we can face them in God's strength and in God's power and anointing. So let's go to Hebrews 11 verse 1. I think we all know it very well. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So as you look at 23, can you say that? Can you say with confidence that you have a hope for 23? That you have assurance in all the things you cannot see? I wonder. You see, the antidote antidote for fear is faith. And it's amazing how it works, is because when you start feeling fearful, it's actually because your faith is dwindling at that time. And so if you know what the antidote is, why allow fear to consume? Sometimes we know what's coming, and that scares us. But you know, most of fear comes from not knowing what's coming. They've done surveys and they've asked kids, what are you worried about? And everything is cast in the future. It's, you're not worried about things you can see and touch and feel that are now. It's what, what's going to happen. God must be the answer to those fears. If God is not the answer to those fears, we're going to really, really struggle. If we know that God is a loving God, and he is, and if God is an all-powerful God, and he is, and God has a purpose and a plan for each of us, and he does, then there is no reason for fear. You see, either you believe that or you don't. But I've found that a lot of us believe this stuff because it's good theology. We can accept it. Yeah, we know this, we know this. But we know it, yeah, in a mental state that does not translate to yeah, to your heart. And if it doesn't translate to your heart, then that knowledge is just superficial. Because you can say, I believe God is all-powerful. I believe God is the creator of heaven and earth, but. I believe that God will see me through every obstacle and every hurdle that I see, or that I come into contact with, every conflict, God will be there for me, but. How did you teach your children not to be scared of the dark? Or not to be scared of what's under the bed? Well, I don't know if you remember that, and I can only just remember how I treated my kids, uh, but we went into the room and we switched the light on so they could see there's nothing. We looked under the bed, there was nothing. You see, so seeing is believing. My mother, on the other hand, would play hide and seek with me and scare the daylights out of me in the <laughs> dark. And But she had a different way of curing me from a fear of the dark. And, and And so what has to happen is your child needs to be comforted by your presence and your assurance that shows him, look, in this room, there's nothing to be scared of. Come and look under this bed. There's nothing under this bed. You're okay, you're safe. I'm here with you. I'm your protector. And so Jesus wants to do the same with us. He wants to show you that he's going to be there for you, that he's going to make level that uneven path that you're walking on, that you're struggling through. Do you know that the Bible tells us in more than 300 times, fear not. More than 300 times. It is the most frequently repeated command. Fear not. But I'm pretty sure that if we could ask you for a survey without your name on it, do you have any fears for 2023? I think we'd get quite a high percentage. You see, the process there's a process to faith, and that's where we come in as a church community, is we have to be the expression of that process of faith. And I'm going to get into that. We know that biblical years were fearful. Even Jesus said, Lord, if this cup is not for me, take it away. We know that Peter was fearful. That he denied Jesus. We know that David hid in a cave. We know that these heroes of our faith, they too were fearful. So how can we say that we won't fear? You see, we've got to go back to that community concept, which is how God planned us to be a church. How he planned us to live in this kingdom, because out of that, we are going to find less reason for fear. So before I get into the scripture for the day, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege of being able to share your word. I thank you for the privilege of us being able to gather freely together as an expression of your kingdom, Yaret, Renew. And I ask, Lord, by your Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus that today the words that are shared that are from you will find fertile soil and grow fruit. And Lord, that is not of you, it would just be forgotten in an instant. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to read from Mark 4, verses 35 and 37, 2:37. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, And just as he was in the boat, and there were also other boats with him, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all mention this episode. They all mention this episode, and as much as they all refer, refer to it, it is very clear that the disciples experienced this storm. And to really understand why they were so fearful, we need to dig in a little deeper. So let's just consider the fact that Jesus was teaching, and we know because Mark spends 34 verses explaining the teaching that Jesus gave, that it must have been a long sermon. Most probably the whole day. And so Jesus must be exhausted. I, I, I can tell you, and I think Andrew and Chi and others that have shared, know that the time you spend preparing to share a word, and then when you share it, you actually come away drained for some reason. And, and so I can't picture how Jesus must have felt at the end of a long day in the heat of a, a Tiberius uh, environment, That he would now be energized. No, he was very tired. And the disciples were on this hyper training course where he was discipling and teaching them at an incredible speed so that they would understand how to take this kingdom message into the rest of the world. And so he was teaching them all the time. They must have been pooped as well. And every time he t- talks in a parable and they chat amongst themselves, do you know what he was saying? And, and then he has to come, hey guys, this is it. And then he has to explain it. So there's this confrontation of learning all the time. And, 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 then, and then the crowds just got bigger because he was healing people and cripples were walking and blind could see and demons were running off into pigs and all types of things happening. And all of this is going on. They were bushed. The crowds were pushing in. And they were bringing more and more sick. And then the the, the sick and demonized and the miracles, it's all that excitement, all that adrenaline. You're watching someone that you know has been blind since birth and all of a sudden they can see and cripples jumping around praising God. It must have been a mad day. And... On the shores of Galilee, because there's such a crush, Jesus gets into a boat just to get some space. And eventually he says to his disciples, let's go to the other side. So this is the part we need to pay attention to. Because this is God telling them, let's go to the other side. That's God's will. Verbally instructed. We often pray, Lord, what do you want us to do? But we don't get that verbal. Yeah, these disciples knew. Jesus said, get in the boat, go to the other side. So they knew they were 100% in the will of God. So why does he let a storm come along? I mean, how fair is that? You're doing exactly what God asked you to do, and now you're in the midst of a storm. I don't think that's all that fair. So as exhausted as he is, and the disciples, we also know it was night time. It was dark. And and ask Barry how dark it gets up in the bush. I I, I mean, there's no stars. There was no electricity. There were no street lights. There were no headlights driving along. There was nothing. It was pitch black. And in fact, it's so dark that when you're in that boat on the water, you don't know. You can't even see the other side, it's that dark. The Sea of Galilee, as you saw in an earlier picture, is in a massive bowl. It's got mountains all around. It's got the sea that's 700 feet below sea level. And then it's got the Jordan River that comes from the top and runs all the way through it and down to the Dead Sea. You can see the Sea of Galilee it, it's an amazing spot. And so, what happens is you've got all this hot water above uh, air above the water, and all this cool air coming over the mountain, and the one just confronts the other and creates a massive storm in seconds. So, we know with hindsight, we know with what we know from the Weather Bureau, although the Weather Bureau could never tell you when the storm's coming, but anyway. They didn't know there was going to be a storm, but they had an expectation because it happens all the time, and many of these men were fishermen. And so a violent storm erupts. And I can tell you personal experience, not on the Sea of Galilee, in a place in the Transvaal, just out of Pretoria, called Broncos Bay. I don't know if you've ever heard of a place like that. Hard to pronounce, but Broncos by is a lake surrounded by mountains. And we used to, as young kids, uh, we used to load up, a, break down a Hobie cat and tie it to the roof of a car with straps and then drive up there and unpack it and put it together again and go sailing and then do the whole thing again in reverse. So we loved going up there for the day sailing and... Take picnic baskets and everything you want. Um, and we were up there sailing, and we saw the storm coming, and it was black. And I said to Trevor, we better get in. And we sailed best sail we've ever had. We were both out on the trapeze all the way because the wind was howling. And we went back into shore, and we just dropped the mast and everything on shore when that storm broke, and the waves were two-and-a-half-meter waves in a lake. And eventually a guy came and said to us, we need help. We need young youngsters who can swim. And we got onto his launch and we went to all the boats that were stranded or on rocks or whatever. And we had to swim the rope in and tie them and, and help drag them in. So we spent a few hours doing that in the stormy water. So I have a sense of what Galilee was like that night. And, and Mark says this furious squall came up. Now, the Greek word can be translated as hurricane or earthquake. So we're not talking just about a windy night like we had on Friday. We're talking serious storm here. And Jesus, the man, they... Here comes Jesus. He says, come follow me. And they leave everything. They leave their fishing boats, their fathers. They leave everything. And they go and follow this guy who leads them into a massive storm. He's supposed to be the Messiah. And to make things worse, he goes to sleep. <laughs> you face in this enormous storm. You're anxious, you're concerned, you're full of fear. And this guy who told you to do it in the first place is just sleeping. You see, the lesson for the disciples that they were learning then is one that we have to learn as well. And that is that we can find ourselves in the middle, in the heart, in the center of God's perfect will and still be in the heart of a storm. You see, because we think that when we're in the right place where God wants us to be, we think it's going to be plain sailing. Well, it isn't going to be. And do you know why? Because if it became plain sailing, then what testimony would you have? And that's why we do this in community. Because as some people come up for prayer for a job, and a little while later they say, I just wanna share how good God was, and I've got a permanent job for the year. That's how other people's faith grows. And when people come up for prayer, and they say, I'd like prayer, I'm, I'm, I'm sick. And you come up for prayer, and boom, they heal. And other times, you come up for prayer like I did, and I've got a terrible hip, I'd like healing. And no, I didn't get healing. But what I did get is an incredible surgeon who did such a great job. I was walking the next day and without crutches within a week. You see, because God has ways and his ways is not necessarily your way. you think, well, for me, a miracle healing is as I walk away, you have no more pain. But his way is to say, but hang on, I want you to go through this because when you're in that hospital, I want you to be a testimony to the nurses and the doctors and the anaesthetists. So when the anaesthetist came to me and he says, are you anxious at all? I said, no. He says, really? I said, no. I said, Jesus has got his hand on you. He's gonna sort you out and I'm gonna be fine. And he smiled at me because I think he was a Muslim. (laughs) But anyway, now he knows the truth. You see, see, God's plan is so much greater than ours, and if we break it down to our little environment where our little problem is so massive, then we can't see God because our problem is so much bigger. It's all that consumes our eyesight and our feelings and our thoughts and even our prayers. And and you'll be surprised that when you're facing this massive storm and you have all this fear and anxiety, you actually can't even care for someone else. (laughs) Because you're so busy worrying about your situation and your circumstances. Trusting God does not keep the storm away. Trusting God says, I'll make it through the storm. There is security in the heart of God's will. And so if you've been praying and you pray daily, Lord, Lord, Help me to align my life with your will and your purpose and your plan. And you pray that daily. It doesn't matter what storm you're facing. God will help you through it. God will help you through it. Let's look at Mark four thirty-eight. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? These guys were really worried. Don't you care if we drown the the, the storms coming into the boat? You see, our degree of fear is definitely a gauge of our degree of faith. So when we have trusted Jesus and come through the storm, we become fearless because we remember his faithfulness from the last storm. You see, if you've really been through some really difficult times, and and, and that's why it's so good to keep a prayer diary, because if you write down how God has answered your prayers, and you flick through that, you think, wow. Wow, I forgot about that. But look how God intervened. The disciples knew that Jesus was there. They knew. They could see him sleeping in the boat. They knew God was there. But maybe they had not yet appreciated that he was God. I mean, they saw miracles. They saw him feed over 15,000 people. It says 5,000, but they only count the men. So around about 15,000 people, he fed with a few loaves and a few fish. And then they collected seven baskets of food after that. The disciples saw that. But did they know he was God? You have to wonder. And sometimes we see God work in our lives in enormous ways, and we face the next storm, and I don't know if God can do this. Mark 4.39. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. You see, he rebuked the storm, the same as he rebuked evil spirits. And when he rebuked them, they ceased to do what they were doing. And, uh, and so, I'm going to tell you a funny little story. Uh, we live in our driveway, faces the golf course. And would you believe that when I've mowed the lawn and we've got leaves and we've got a jacaranda tree and it drops all those little things that look like tea leaves, it's always a mess. So I'm always out there with a blowover. <laughs> And as I'm blowing all these leaves, I blow them into the street because there's a big drain. And anyway, <laughs> uh, they wash away. And, and and it's all part of nature, isn't it? Yeah. So, so, and, and because there's a golf course opposite us, leaves of their blue gum trees come into my garden, uninvited. So, out they go. And then as I'm blowing, the wind picks up and. Everything that I've just blown towards the driver has just gone back past me, and I've got to walk back. And I say, "No," I said, "Heavenly Father, can you just stop the wind blowing whilst I get this out, and then I can come back?" So, what do you think happened? The wind stopped. Not once, every time I've ever asked God, "Just stop the wind, or let it come from the other direction," because I need to get the. It happens. It's amazing. All you've got to do is ask. And you know I am comfortable asking every time because it worked last time I asked and the time before. And you see, that's what I think God wants from this community, that as we face 2023, we start showing that faith. So that when Pete says, oh, my hip is also starting to we say, oh, Pete, we're just going to pray for you right now. And others see that we're just praying for Pete right now. And they have the faith to do that same thing and pray for others when they have an opportunity. And if in your small group you don't pray out loud, who prophesied last year? Who brought a word? Who stood up in church and gave a word that really made us all sense God was young? You see, if we don't all do that, we can't live and learn from each other. And like the children needed to see, they needed to see that the light was on, there's nothing under the bed. We need to see faith in action so that we feel more comfortable in stepping out in faith ourselves. Some things must be seen to be believed. The disciples believed because they saw. They were in this boat. There was a storm everywhere. And they believed and because they saw. So we need to allow God at Renew to develop our spiritual insight so that we can see opportunities and we can see how God's way is not our way. And we can see the kingdom interpretation for this circumstance and we can be that for them. And so... In closing, I want to take you to a prayer that I came across that is quite sensational. And this, Joni, is a quadriplegic. And you think, well, how is a quadriplegic going to be used by God? But listen to a prayer. God, I cannot do this. I cannot do this thing called quadriplegic. I have no resources for this. I have no strength for this but you do. You've got the resources, you've got the strength. I can't do quadriplegia, but I can do all things through you as you strengthen me. I have no smile for this woman who's going to walk into my bedroom in a moment. She could be having coffee with another friend, but she's chosen to come here to help me to get up. God, please, May I borrow your smile? I knew it. (laughs) Every time I read this smile, uh, this request for her to have the smile of Jesus, I'm really moved. Because we think we have to be an evangelist or a prophet, we think that that's, ministry or a preacher or a small group leader. We think that we've got these little compartments that we have to be in to be able to serve God. This Joni, all she wanted was to have the smile of Jesus. And I'm willing to bet you that that lady who gave up her coffee morning with her friends would have noticed that smile is from Jesus. And she would have left there blessed as much as Joni was blessed. So my challenge to you for 2023 is let's not do the same things we did in 2022 when it comes to our faith, when it comes to expanding our faith and expanding our desire to be directly involved with God's kingdom and the expansion thereof. We have a role to play we are privileged to have a role to play. Like those disciples, let's be in the heart of the will of God and face any storms that come this year. But we can do it collectively, together, praying for each other, holding each other up. And as Andrew shared earlier, loving God and loving each other. Because that love is so countercultural. And, and, and I can tell you that people have come into this church, have come into this gathering, and come into some of your homes and they've said to you, I'm sure, I just feel a joy, a peace here. It's, it's just different. Because that love transcends the circumstance and the environment. So with that, let's make 2023 an exceptional year in our walk of faith. Amen.